got a little too heavy. He didn't quit when they mocked him, beat him, bruised him. Didn't didn't quit. He walked all the way for you and me. And because of that, we're able to be here this evening. How many of you know he's still walking with us today? Amen. Walks with us through the fire, walks with us through the flame, walks with us through every difficulty that we face. I thank God for that. Amen. I'm thankful that you're here this evening. Looks like we've got a few people missing. So I'm, I'm just trusting that you make up the difference tonight. Amen. You know, the the numbers don't usually bother me at all because I know that where two or three are gathered, God's in the middle of them. And I'm just here to please God this evening. I'm here to enjoy the, the presence of the Lord that's in this place. And I pray that you've come expecting the same exact thing. This evening, we're going to go look to uh, the rebuilding of the gates once again. I'm going to finish up on the fountain gate. If the Holy Spirit allows me to do that this evening, there's so many things that I'd like to cover. I think I've <clears throat> tried to boil it down as best as I can to where we can just finish up and take a look at what we uh, started on last week. Before we do one more time, let's just pray. Holy Spirit be with me and the Holy Spirit be with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you 
This is the day that you have made, God. So we rejoice and we're glad in it. We, we rejoice, Father God, because you haven't asked us to walk alone today. You've walked with us. And you go with us, Father God, through all the trials and tribulations, the heartache, the sadnesses and the sorrow. And you're here with us again this evening. And God, I just uh, confess my need for you this evening. I confess my need for the anointing and the strength and the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. And Father God, I pray that you would once again, Father God, touch my lips, touch my mind, touch my heart, fill my spirit, touch my body, Lord God, that I might be used by your Holy Spirit. I submit myself to you, to your leading, to your movement, Father God. I pray that I wouldn't get in the way of what you want to do, Father. That you just would have freedom to speak and, 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 and work in the lives of your people. I pray, God, that you would anoint everyone that's here this evening. Give them ears to hear. Give them hearts to, to listen, Father God. Give us all the courage to respond, Lord God, to your voice in our lives. As always, we come against every hindering spirit, the distractions of the weak, the things of the devil would try to throw against your work this evening. But we trust in you and thank you, God. That there is no weapon formed against us that shall prosper. And that if you are for us, no one can stand against us. So we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, uh, we were introduced to the fountain gate. This is the gate that represents the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I pray that during this past week, we all sought church. A little more of that outpouring in our lives. I pray that we did everything that we could in our own personal time with God uh, to be prepared to be a sanctuary. Uh, a sanctuary that's able to contain the glory of the Lord and the power of the Lord. A sanctuary that's pure and holy. A sanctuary that's tried and true so that God can pour his spirit into our lives. Amen. <clears throat> Today we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 3 verses <clears throat> 15 and 16. I was going to go all the way through to 26, but the more that I studied it and the more that I looked at it, I realized there's no way that I would get all of that in this evening. And some of those verses actually apply to some of the gates that we're going to look at as we finish up this series. So I'll bring those to your attention as we go. But verses 15 and 16, it says, Shalom, the son of Kal Jose, the official of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. He built it, covered it, hung its doors with its bolts and its bars and the wall of the pool of Shelah or Siloam at the king's garden as far as the steps that descend from the city of David. After him, Nehemiah, the son of Azbuk, official of the half district of Beth Zur, made repairs as far as a point opposite the tomb of David. And as far as the artificial pool in the house of the mighty men, there's other structures that are mentioned in the in the verses between there all the way down to 25. And what I want you to understand just about some of those structures is all of those have a representation of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When we come to the fountain gate, it is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And when we look at all of these other structures, they demonstrate some of the manifestations of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I'm not going to have a chance to touch on all of them tonight. I'm going to look at a few as we uh, probably get close to the end of the word that I want to bring this evening. But as you read it, I want you to understand that every time you read about a structure, every time you read about a building, every time you read about steps or pools or anything else, those all represent the manifestation power of the Holy Spirit that is brought into our lives at the fountain gate. And this is these are the things that we want to see manifested in our lives. These are the signs that we want to see manifested not only in our lives, but in the house of God and in the fountain family of God as well. We'll look at them. But so far we've learned from Acts chapter one that the fountain gate is where we become his witnesses. Amen. Church for so many years of our life, we are a witness to the work of the devil. We're a witness to the work of the wonders of the world. But after we come into a relationship with God, after we come to through this fountain gate, it is where we become his witnesses, witnesses of his glory and witnesses of his power, not just witnesses of his power, but listen, witnesses through his power. 
We learned last week at the fish gate, it's where we speak of the power that he has done in our lives. But when we come to the fountain gate, it is where God demonstrates his power through our lives. And we should have both of these operating in our lives. We should have the, the, the fish gate functioning in our lives where we talk all about what God has done in our lives each and every day of our lives. And then we should also have the fountain gate where God begins to demonstrate his power through our lives. At the fountain gate is where we become profitable to the master. The fountain gate is where we begin to function for him, church, not ourselves, not the world, not the devil, not anybody else. It's where we begin to function for the Lord. At the fountain gate, we begin to operate as a witness to the power of God through our lives. And the word operate is kind of what the the, the scripture is teaching us when when we when it talks about uh, moving under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we actually operate as a witness to the power of God. Here at the Fountain Gate is where we begin to act effectively, church, as a spirit-filled believer. You see, I don't believe until we uh, go through the Fountain Gate that we can operate at our maximum potential. I don't believe until we come through the fountain gate that we can actually operate as effectively as we should as a Christian. You see, there's things that you'll struggle with without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There are things that you will struggle with without the, without going through this uh, fountain gate in your life. So I want us to understand here at the fountain gate is where we begin to act effectively as a spirit-filled Christian. It's where spiritual productivity begins to take place in our lives. It's where things really start to happen and we begin to produce something of value to the kingdom of God. There is a power that is produced in our life. And we're going to look at some other things that are produced as well. There are some signs that are produced in our lives when we go through the fountain gate. But at the fountain gate is where we begin to exert spiritual force and spiritual influence that we could not otherwise exert in our lives. You see, it is the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to exert spiritual supernatural force in this world and through our lives. Without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, without the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives, there is a force that is missing in your life. There is a source of power that is missing in your life. And it's why we are all called to come through this fountain gate so that we can begin to exert, church, a spiritual force and a spiritual power, not only in our lives, but in this world that is quickly going to hell in a handbasket. The Holy Spirit is what is going to be needed in order for us to effectively influence this world that is overtaken by darkness. It is at the fountain gate where, where we begin to exercise what we called and talked about last week, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. Not to rehash all of it, but dunamis is where we get the word dynamite from. It means an explosive, dynamic, powerful power that is made manifest in our lives, and that happens happens through at the fountain gate through the through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus said, and you shall receive power. And he meant dunamis power after such that the Holy Spirit come upon you. We need to understand without that spirit coming upon us, there is a power we will lack in our lives. So the, the word of God encourages us all to be not only baptized in water, but to be baptized in fire and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The reality is in the generation and the society and the world that we're living in church, only the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost is going to have an impact in the midst of the wickedness that we're living in, in the midst of this world and how corrupt and and how wicked this world is in the society that we're living in. Only the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit is going to be able to break through that darkness. Only the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit is going to be able to influence this world of darkness that we're in. Only those who operate church and function on under the power of the Holy Ghost, are going to have influence over this evil, wicked world. You see, the people that God is going to use in this last day generation are those that are filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. The individuals God's going to call on, the individuals God's going to lean on, the individuals God's going to trust in are, are those people that have sought the power of the Holy Ghost upon their life. Those that have allowed
filled and prepared themselves to receive that power so that God can work through their lives. Listen, every day this world gets more wicked. Every day this world becomes more corrupt. Every day this world grows darker. And the individuals that God will use are the individuals that have gone through the journey that we've gone through so far in order to be filled with the spirit of the living God upon their life. It's the dunamis power. It's the only source of power that will be able to effectively impact this world. It's the only way God's people will be able to, like I said, exert spiritual uh, force in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. How many of you know that we are living amongst a crooked and a perverse generation? We are living within a sick society, you might say. We're living in a world or a society of people that are vile and corrupt. This world is filled with wickedness. It's filled with corruption. It's filled with debauchery. It's filled with things that, that just turn the, the sight of God. And the only power that's going to have any influence in this kind of generation we live in is the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. If we wanted to uh, disturb the darkness, if you want to disrupt the devil, you need the fountain gate established in your life. If you want to make a difference in this world of darkness that we live in, you need the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit upon your life. I want you to understand we are living in a society where, listen, I'm not saying that the devil's not afraid of Christians, but I am telling you that he is afraid of the Christian that is filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you that he is afraid of the individual that has been endued with power from on high, not endued with power from man, not endued with power from from any other source, but he is afraid of the individual that has been endued with power from on high. And this is why we need the fountain gate established in our lives, church. It's the only way that we will be able to disturb the darkness that comes against us. It's the only way that you're going to be able to disturb the darkness that comes against your family, comes against your finances, comes against your marriage, or comes against your mind. It's the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit that is found at the fountain gate. Luke 24:49 we read it last week. He said, "And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you." And before I go any further, I want you to understand that the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is a promise from the Father. I want you to understand that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. When he speaks, he acts, and when he promises, he fulfills. I want you to know that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is a promise to those who believe. I want you to understand that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon God's sons and daughters is a promise that he's not going to renege on. It is a promise that will be fulfilled in the lives of those people that have prepared themselves to receive that power and to receive that promise into their lives. You need to understand that journey that we went through, church, enables us to, to receive that promise that God has made in our lives. God is not slack concerning any promise He makes in our life. Sometimes the reason we don't see that promise is because we've not positioned ourselves in order to receive that promise. I want you to understand if you haven't gone through the, the, the dung gate, you've not positioned yourself to receive any kind of power from on high. If you've not gone through the other gates that we've talked about, you've not positioned Positioned yourself to receive the power of God in your life. But once you do that, you are positioning yourself to receive that power that flows from on high. And this is why we need to go through all of the gates, church. But it is a promise that God has made to you and me. We don't have to beg for the Holy Spirit. We don't have to plead for the Holy Spirit. The only thing we have to do is position ourselves for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yes, there is a responsibility. I told you last week, he's not going to wrap his pure Holy Spirit around the unrighteous. He'll, he'll pour his Spirit out into a clean vessel. He'll pour his Holy Spirit out into those who are seeking for it. He's not going to pour it out on those that are not ready to receive it, church. Understand, we need to understand that, that the Word of God says that it is the promise. I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. 
clothed with power that comes from the throne room of God. You see, I hope we understand the awesomeness of this power. We're talking about a power that doesn't come from Washington. We're not talking about a power that comes from some organization. We're not talking about some power that comes from the hands of man. We're not even talking about a power that's created in nature. We're talking about a power that comes down from the throne room of God. We're talking about a power that comes down, church, from heaven. Heaven on high. It's the highest power that you and I can receive in our lives. It's the highest power that's talked about in Scripture. It's the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There is nothing more powerful than the power of the Holy Spirit when it falls among God's people. Amen. There is no other force greater, no transforming force greater than the power of the Holy Spirit. Look what it did on the day of Pentecost. It transformed the world. It transformed the world. You want something to transform your life? Position yourself at the fountain gate. You want something to transform your marriage and transform your finances and transform your family or transform your workplace? Position yourself at the fountain gate. So that the power of the Holy Spirit can be loosed into your life. But you are to stay. Listen, there is a condition for this promise. He outlined it right here. But you are to stay in the city until you are clothed or covered in the power from on high. You see, the power that we're talking about only comes through the government and authority of the kingdom of God. Hope you understand, we call it the kingdom of God. Every kingdom has an authority. Every kingdom has a government. Every kingdom has has a power. And there is no government, there is no kingdom, there is no authority greater than the kingdom of God, the authority of God, and the power of God in our lives. This is where the power is coming from. No other king, no other kingdom can provide for you the power that God can and the Holy Spirit can. It's where we are clothed with a power that comes from the throne room of God. But listen to me, church. The Holy Spirit is the only source of dunamis power we can find. But in order to get it, we must stay in the city. What does that mean to us as sons and daughters? If you want to receive this kind of power in your life, there's some staying that has to take place. Some of you are going to have to stay in prayer. Some of you are going to have to stay in worship a little bit longer. Some of us are going to have to stay on our knees a little bit longer. Some of us are going to have to linger in the closet or linger in worship a little bit longer than we have. Some of us are going to have to stay in the city church a little bit longer. Some of us are going to have to stay in the presence of the Lord or stay in the word of God. Some of us are going to have to stay clean and some of us are going to have to stay pure like I told you. Because unless we have that purity in our life, God won't pour out his power. There is a staying in the city that must take place, church, in order for us to enjoy the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We talk about staying in the city. You have to realize you can't be wandering off the reservation and think the power of God's going to fall in your life. You can't be wandering off doing your own thing and thinking the power of God's going to fall in your life. You understand what I'm saying? You can't be wandering off into some heathen territory and think the power of God's going to fall in your life. You can't be playing with the pigs and think that the power of God is going to fall upon your life. You can't be hanging out at the bars and you can't be hanging out with this and you can't be doing these things. You can't be wandering away from the city of God and the word of God and the statutes of God and the ordinance of God and think the power of God is going to fall in your life. You've got to learn to stay in the city. You see, God has set some boundaries around us. He built a wall around Jerusalem and inside that city is where you need to stay. When you cross over that city, that's when you get into trouble. When you cross over that line, when you go cross over the boundaries without already having the, the, the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. Listen, it's one thing to have the power of the Holy Ghost and go out to affect the world. It's one thing to go out into the world without the Holy Spirit. You see, you can't go off the reservation, like I said, and expect the power of God to fall in your life. You've got to learn to stay in the city. How many of you know there's something about staying in the city church 
There's something about being still and knowing that He is God. You see, trouble comes our way and we want to run off here and we run off there. We got to run to this speaker and got to run to that speaker. We got to run to this counselor and run to that counselor. When all along, sometimes God just says, stay in the city. Sometimes God just says, be still and know that I'm God. Trust in me. Put your confidence in me. Put your hope in me. Oh, so quickly we're, we're thrown into a tither. So quickly we're thrown into disarray and chaos because we haven't learned to stay in the city. We haven't learned to be still and know that He is God. Listen, there's something about waiting upon the Lord because they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There's something about staying in the city. You see, when you stay in the city is when you're renewed with strength. When you stay in the city, something begins to break loose in your life. When you stay in the city and you stay in prayer and you stay in the Word of God, you begin to disrupt the darkness. You begin to disturb the devil. Things begin to break loose. The ground beneath your feet begin to tremble. Prison doors are open. Blind eyes are open. Deaf ears are open. Captives are set free. When we learn to stay in the city, church. Amen. Oh, so often we want the power of God to be manifested in our lives and we can't stay in the city. I wish the pastor would hurry up. How many times are they going to sing that song? It's five minutes too long. And we wonder why the power of God's not moving in our midst. We wonder why the power of God's not flowing through our midst because we got our mind on McDonald's and we got our mind on some buffet and we got our mind on everything else except having our mind set on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father interceding for us moment after moment after moment after moment. This is what we need, church. What the, the, the fountain gate is all about, learning to stay in the city. The truth is, staying in the city empowers us, church. It strengthens us. It matures us. It builds us up. It does something powerful in our lives. Which when we are built up, church, but listen, we don't like to wait. We're living in a society that can't stand to wait. Everything about us is instant, instant this, instant that. We can't wait ten minutes for a good, you know, bowl of oatmeal. So we got to have, you know, five-second instant oatmeal. Instant coffee and instant this and instant that. Good Lord, the other day I found myself growing impatient waiting on a bag of microwave popcorn to pop. I mean, how impatient can we get? It wasn't popping fast enough for me. We grow impatient when the express line's not express enough. We grow impatient when the green light isn't, you know, the red light's a little bit too. They're, everything about us is impatient. We are such an impatient people that don't know how to stay in the city. And it's why we miss God's blessings. It's why we miss God's power. It's why we run out at the first sign of trouble. It's why we throw in the flag at the first sign of difficulty. It's why we quit. When things get tough, because we don't know how to stay in the city. You see, Jesus told him to stay in the city because he knew, he knew some tough times were coming. He knew he was about to go to the cross. He knew that the disciples were going to be thrown into a tizzy. That's why he said, stay in the city. Because if you don't, if you don't stay in the city and you don't have the power that I'm about to pour out on your lives, I don't know what difference you're going to make in this world. I don't know if you're going to make it. I don't know if you're going to endure. I don't know if you're going to be profitable to the master. So we must learn to stay in the city church because, listen, it, it empowers us. The problem with the church is that we've adopted the same mindset of our society that wants everything, like I said, right now. The reality is we don't know how to wait. The reality is we don't know how to tarry. Uh, even even physically, listen, operations that used to take like, uh, you know, three days to, to, to do on people, they can do outpatient in 20 minutes now. Everything is so quick. We don't know, uh, no longer even know how to wait. And the same thing is true spiritually, church. 
Sometimes it takes a while for fruit to develop. First comes the, you know, the little bud, then comes the, the stem, and then comes the bloom, and then comes the fruit. Now, boy, we don't like to wait, though. We've adopted the same mentality as out there in the world. We don't know how to tarry. We don't know how to stay in prayer. We don't know how to stay in worship. We don't know how to stay in the Word of God until something pops out and speaks to the depths of our soul. We don't know how to to keep our knees bent as long as we have to or stay in a closet as long as we have to. We just don't know anymore, church. And that's why the power of God isn't falling in our lives. Because we don't know how to stay in the city until we are clothed with power from on high. You see, here's the reality. The reality is sometimes we stay long enough to get a little whoo. Sometimes we stay a little long enough to to get a little clap. Sometimes we stay long enough to put a smile on our face and help us to feel good for a moment. Sometimes we tarry long enough just to have our emotions moved. But I'm telling you, there is something, there's a big difference between having your emotions moved and having the dunamis power of God descend upon your life. It's a huge difference. We're so conditioned to be tickled, laugh, and then go home. And we miss the real power of the Holy Ghost that desperately needs to be poured out into this society and in this world. If we would just learn to tarry, wait a little bit longer. I remember just a few weeks ago, I was probably two months ago. I felt like I was sitting down here, I wasn't preaching, and the Holy Spirit was moving on my, moving on my heart, and the service went great, and everything, everything seemed wonderful, sang a song, had an altar call, had a great time at the altar, and everybody left, but the Holy Spirit told me, don't you leave. Don't you leave. Don't you leave. That's all He kept saying, don't you leave. So I stood, and I waited, and I waited. I went to the altar, and the Holy Spirit moved upon my life, and moved upon another brother's life that came up. There was no one else, maybe three or four people. But I want you to know that when we tarry church, the Holy Spirit will fall upon us. I want you to understand that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him, the Bible says. When no one else is going to seek Him, we need to seek Him. When no one else is going to linger, are we going to linger? When no one else is going to lift up a hand, am I going to lift up a hand? When everyone else has walked out and and Pastor Zach is still playing at the keyboard, am I still going to worship? Am I still going to sing? Am I going to make my way to the altar? Because I want the dunamis power of God to be manifested in my life. Because I want Everything that God has for me. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah 29, 13. God said, when you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with all of your heart. You see, one of the biggest problems is that the churches are filled with half-hearted seekers that don't want to wait. See, God, half the time, half the way. You understand what I'm saying? I want you to understand that a a church that is filled with half-hearted seekers who don't like to wait will never experience the power of God in their midst. They will never never experience the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in their lives or in their midst. I'm not not saying that God can't move because there's always going to be a remnant. There's always going to be some people. But in general, I'm saying if we want to experience these these structures of God's manifest power in our life that are mentioned, we need to learn how to wait. We need to learn how to linger. We need to learn how to tarry, church. We need to learn how to seek God with all of our heart. The reality is, please understand me, the altar is not the only place you can seek God. I hope you understand that you can seek God when you're driving down the road. Some of the best times that I've had communion with God is when I've either turned on the radio or turned off the radio and driving all by myself. And the Holy Spirit begin to descend in that place. You see, wherever you focus on God, God will come down. Whenever you set your heart towards God, God will come down. Whether it's here or whether it's there, whether it's in your dining room, your bedroom, your car, whether it's in your office, workplace, when you've had a bad day and you need to get yourself alone, or you go out to your car in the parking lot, or you find a spot I have had a friend that at their workplace, they had some little woods and he used to just go sit out in the woods waiting to have some communion with God. That might seem odd to some of you, but if you're hungry, you'll do it. If you're thirsty, you'll do it. And if you seek him with all of your heart, you're going to find him, the Bible says. 
When we're willing to stay in the city, God's power will fall, church. When we learn to stay in the city, God will clothe us, like he said, with power from on high. Something I touched on very briefly last week in Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 15, is that the fountain gate was the only gate that was covered. And there's three things that I want, to, want you to see about this because it's very important in our lives because it is a condition to the power of God falling in your life. The covering of this fountain gate reminds us that the Holy Spirit is to be the ultimate governing authority in our life. What you and I have to remember is that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three in one. They share the same power. They share the same authority. They share the same anointing. They work in the same government. They own the same kingdom. And what you and I need to understand is that this fountain gate was covered for us to have an understanding and to be reminded that God, God's authority, the, the, the authority of the Holy Spirit is to be our ultimate governing authority in our life. We must be covered by an authority, a spiritual authority, and that authority is God. There's another kind of covering, which is a physical spiritual covering. But here, the first thing we need to realize is that the Holy Spirit needs to be our ultimate governing authority in our life. God has to govern our thoughts. God and the Holy Spirit need to govern our attitudes, needs to govern our choices, needs to govern our decisions, needs to govern our words, needs to govern where I go. It needs to govern every area of my life. God needs to govern my finances. God needs to govern my job. God needs to govern my marriage. And I must come under that governorship. I must come under that authority because listen to me, as soon as you remove yourself from that authority, you disposition yourself from the power of God flowing into your life. If you think you can be your own king, have at it. But I promise you, your kingdom will be defeated. I promise you, everything you attempt to build up in your own strength will be defeated. Because the reality is, we can do nothing without God. We can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. We can do nothing without the power of God in our lives. That's what this cover on this fountain gate represents. A supernatural all authoritative governing and authority in our life. And we must yield to it. It's reminding us, church, that we can't just be out there doing whatever we want to do. We're not our own anymore. We've been bought with a price, church, at the sheep gate. Where the blood of the Lamb bought us with a price. And now we're to glorify God in our lives. It reminds us of God's authority in our lives. The Spirit-filled believer submits to that governing church. The Spirit-filled believer submits to that authority in their life. And because of it, God's power flows into their life. God's anointing flows into their life. God's, God's authority flows into our life. The Scripture says all authority has been given unto me and God gave it. But listen, if you're dispositioned, that power is not going to flow. If you want to operate in power, position yourself properly. Understand that you have a spiritual authority over your life and you can't have, live half of your life the way you want and half of the life the way, the way God wants. It's all or nothing. All of your heart, the Bible says. When you seek me with all of your heart, then I'm going to pour out my power and pour out my promise into your life. I will cover you, the Bible says, with this power. What we need to realize is that whenever we come under that covering, we're blessed. Whenever we remove ourselves from that covering, or covering, then we are no longer blessed. God removes his power. He removes his anointing. The blessings stop flowing. The supernatural force and influence that we once had stops flowing in our life. This gate was also covered, church, to remind us that after we put off the old nature... Remind us that after we strip off sin, after we cast away the old man, after we've gone down to the cross and we've buried the old nature and we've buried the old man, then we are to be clothed and covered in newness of life. You see, we go down to the grave and then we rise up in newness of life and we are to be covered in newness of life. We are to put off the old man and then we are to be covered in newness of life. 
This, this covering on this fountain gate reminds us that you and I are to be walking in new clothing. That you and I are to be walking with a new covering and a new countenance upon our life. That we're walking now under a new authority and a new government, governorship. And that we are now part of a new kingdom. When you leave this kingdom, you take off those kingdom clothes and you put on new kingdom clothes. When you're walking in darkness, you take off the deeds of darkness and you take off the clothes of darkness. And when you come into the kingdom of light, you put on light. You understand what I'm saying? You you are covered in light so that when the world looks at you, you are light. So that when the world tastes of you, you are salt. you got to put on a new covering. If you're not, if you got on the wrong clothes, church, don't expect the power to fall in your life. If you're not willing to put on that new creation, don't expect the power of God to flow through your life. The covering reminds us of those two reasons why we need to be covered. Listen, Luke twenty four forty nine again tells us, stay in the city until clothed with power. The truth is, every day we should put on the Holy Spirit. Every day before you walk out of that house, you need to ask and call on the Holy Spirit to cover you with power, to cover you with His goodness, to cover you with everything that He has, church. Because when you walk, you walk out into that world without His covering, it's not, a, it's not a safe place to be. If you want to be an overcomer, if you want to have that kind of influence and you want to have that kind of protection in your life, then you need to every day ask for the covering of the Holy Spirit in your life so that he can close you with strength to overcome the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. You can only do those things in your flesh for so long. You can only overcome the enemy and overcome temptation for so long. You can only keep those words from popping out of your mouth for so long. You can only stay away from the pornography on your own for so long. You can only stay away from those vices and those things that try to destroy you for so long. And then all of a sudden your strength gives out. All of a sudden your power gives out. And what do you got left if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? You're going to be overtaken. You're going to be overcome because we can only do it on our own for so long. We need the baptism. We need the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our lives, church. Every day we should desire to be clothed with power from on high so that we can influence this world in an effective way. The truth is some of us might have political influence in this world. Some of us might have social influence in this world. Some of us might have financial influence in this world, but God's not looking for any of that in this day. God's not looking for any of that in this day's generation, church. What he's looking for is an individual that has positioned himself in order to have a spiritual influence and a spiritual power in this world of darkness. Because your money will fail, your prestige will fail, your positions of power will fail. Everything about man, there's coming a time when all of it will fail. And the only thing that will stand firm and the only thing that will stand strong in the face of the devil and in the face of darkness and in the face of demons is the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need it, church. We need it like a deer pants for water. So we need the living waters of the Holy Spirit flowing in our lives. Amen. The fountain gate was also covered because we all need a physical spiritual covering. We all need a shepherd. We all need a pastor. We all need someone over us spiritually in a physical sense like God is over us in a spiritual sense. We have to submit to that covering as well. The problem is there's so many churches filled with so many loose cannons that aren't willing to come under authority. You know, self-proclaimed prophetesses and self-proclaimed prophets and self-proclaimed this and self-proclaimed that who don't want to come under anyone's authority. They don't want to have a higher authority telling them what to do. They don't want a higher authority giving them direction or, or, or sowing seeds into their life because they're that close to God. They don't need to hear from anyone else. It's like those people, they do home church because they don't need a pastor. They don't need a spiritual covering in their life. Let me tell you, you know anybody like that? They're going to be defeated and they're going to be lost. And they won't have blessings in their life because they have dispositioned themselves according to the word of God. We all must have a physical, spiritual covering in our lives. Why do you think God appointed 
Not man. The Bible says God appointed apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and preachers so that we might have a spiritual covering over our lives. So that we might be able to come under someone's authority and have that protection that God has ordained in our life. And when you position yourself that way, God's power is going to flow. If you don't have a spiritual authority in your life that you trust in and have confidence in, you better find one. You better find one. You better put yourself in a proper position for the power of God to flow in your life. And we have to always understand and remember that every one of our physical spiritual authorities is a man as well or a woman as well. We can't look at them and say, oh, well, they they make mistakes like we do, so I don't have to listen to them. That's nonsense. God has ordained and ordered people into your life and my life to be a spiritual authority. And we need to learn to yield to that. And when we do, the power of God will flow in our life. But like I said, too many people want to operate without that. And the only the only result of of those individuals, the, the result of those individuals that don't have that covering in their lives, they become nothing more than 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 a form of godliness. They they attain nothing more than a form of godliness in their life. You and I need to understand, listen, the reason that we need this power so desperately is because the world's not going to be changed by a form of godliness. I want you to understand that blind eyes aren't going to be open with a form of godliness. I want you to understand that prison doors aren't going to open with a form of godliness. I want you to understand that you're not going to set the captives free with a form of godliness in your life or my life. You're not going to be able to, a form of godliness isn't going to be able to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover. A form of godliness is not going to have any influence or effectiveness in this world. Just a form of godliness. Look good. Might sound good, but it will deny the power thereof. We cannot afford to be a church filled with forms of godliness. This world will not be affected with a form of godliness, but with the power of godliness that comes through the fountain gate church. Form of godliness isn't what this world needs. This world needs the dunamis power of God to be released in its, in its midst like it was years ago. Years ago, the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit was flowing through America. It's not anymore, church. I, I, I don't know why. Maybe we, as a people, haven't been waiting in the city like we should have. There's a lot of reasons why not. But we need the dunamis power of God to be restored in our lives. Listen, Mark 16, 17 to 18 says, And these signs will accompany them. And Nehemiah chapter 3 verses 16 all the way through 25 represent some of these signs that we'll look at as I try to close and some in the coming weeks. But these are the signs that will accompany them. These are the signs that will be made manifest in the lives of spirit-filled believers, church, in my name. And when Jesus said, in my name, he meant under my authority, again, realizing under his authority. You see, you can't do anything on your own. You can't, you can't heal the sick. You can't, you can't open blind eyes. You can't set captives free. You can't save a soul. I can't change a heart. I can't do any of that on my own. But if I do it under God's authority, if I do it under His government, if I do it under His power and position myself properly, then that power flows through my life and I can do those things. Because what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you want to do miraculous things, again, position yourself properly, church. But these signs will accompany them. In my name or under my authority, they will drive out demons. Under the power of the Holy Ghost, you have authority over unclean spirits. Under the power of the Holy Ghost, you can say to this demon, be thou gone. Under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you have power and authority over darkness, church. Under my authority, you will speak in new tongues. You'll say things you never said before. Your mouth will begin to speak for God and become an oracle for God rather than an oracle for self and an oracle for the world. I'm not just talking about speaking in tongues like in the baptism, but when under my authority, you're going to say things you've never said before. You're going to speak under my authority. These signs 
will accompany them. Under my authority, they will place their hands on the sick and the sick will get well, church. The power of healing is available to any believer who goes through the fountain gate, who positions themselves in such a way that the dunamis power of God will be released into their life. This is what the fountain gate is all about, church. The power to be his witnesses. The power to have outward manifestations accompanying our confession. It's one thing to say on this. It's another thing to have manifestations accompanying that that confession. That's what happens at the fish gate. It's confession at the fountain gate. It's manifestation. I want my life to be more than a confession. I want it to be a manifestation of God's power. I know you want the same, but it has to. It only happens when we position ourselves properly. Church, this is what the fountain gate is all about. It's about the outpouring of God's spirit and power into our lives. But listen. Galatians 5.29 speaks to the exact opposite as I begin to bring this to a close. He's, he's shared some of the accompanying signs of those that are filled with the Spirit. But then in Galatians, he talks about those signs of those who are led by a different authority or under a different authority. And he says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature or when you walk in the, the flesh, the results are very clear, Paul said. The signs are obvious, Paul says. The the outward manifestations are simple to see. You can't hide them when you walk in the flesh. You can't hide them when you're void of the Spirit. You can't hide these manifestations. They're obvious for everyone to see. You see, it's funny to me how sinners think they can hide their sin. It's funny how backsliders, me included, when there's things going on in your life that, 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 that you know shouldn't be there, you think you're hiding them. But the reality is they're obvious to see, Paul said. They're obvious to see. We think we're hiding them, but we're not, church. But they're obvious to see, and the signs are this. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, which is any form of witchcraft, which is horoscopes, which is Ouija boards, which is tarot cards, which is anything witchcraft-oriented, church. The signs are hostility, quarreling, jealousy. You see, that's a sign of an individual that's not spirit-filled. When there's quarreling among you, it's not the Holy Spirit that's, that's in operation. When there's quarreling and dissension uh, among you, it's, it, we're, we're not operating under the authority of the Holy Spirit in our life. We're operating under the spirit of darkness. These signs are obvious, Paul said. Jealousy. Listen, look, look how he, he puts jealousy and quarreling right with sexual immorality. He puts it with sorcery. He puts it with drunkenness and orgies. All of these things, church, outbursts of anger, losing my temper, selfish ambition, anything that's all about me, myself, and I. These things don't belong in a spirit-filled Christian's life, Paul is saying. And without the Holy Spirit in your life, these things are going to be obvious. Division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. These are not the signs of a spirit-filled believer, church. These are not the signs of those who have a a solid fountain gate established in their lives. These are the signs of a sinful nature. But let me tell you, God wants us to walk through life with signs of power. God wants us to walk through life with signs of his manifested power that comes from on high church. The signs and wonders that demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit don't accompany the wicked. The signs and wonders that accompany those that have positioned themselves properly for the, uh, uh, the power of God don't follow the lukewarm, half-hearted, carnal Christian. They are only manifested in the lives of those who have consecrated themselves unto Christ. They, they only follow those that are covered, church, and, and, and made manifest in the lives of those that have learned to stay in the city. They're only manifested in the lives of those who aren't drinking from broken cisterns like we talked about last week, hewn out by the hands of man. And I mean to close with this. Last week I spoke of the pool of Shelah or the pool of Siloam, which was the first fountain gate, which was at the fountain gate rather. And if you remember, its walls were broken and it needed repair just like all the other things. And this pool was built to contain and hold the water that came from the, uh, the Gion Spring, which means to burst forth. And what I want you to understand is that when it comes to the Holy Spirit Church, when it comes to us in the same way, we as the temple of God are to hold and contain the power 
of the, of the living waters. We are to allow the springs of Gion, which are living waters, to flow into our lives. And we are to hold those and contain those powers and let that water flow out. You see, the pool of Siloam flowed to the rest of the city. We're to do the same exact thing. God wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we can flow out and affect all of those individuals around us in our lives, church. John 4.14, Jesus said, But the water that I will give him shall become a spring of living water, welling up or bursting forth within him unto eternal life. You see, the reality is, church, and I, I can't even get into the rest of the stuff, but God wants his power to burst forth from our life. When you look at all of the elements that are in here, when you look at the steps, the stairs, it's talking about wisdom. When you look at the, the tomb of David, it's talking about resurrected worship. When you look at all these other things, they are all manifestations of God's Holy Spirit being poured out into our lives. But the whole idea of the fountain gate is so that the, the living water and the power of God can burst forth in our life, church. Not just have a little trinkle. Not just have a little drip coming. God wants his power to burst forth in our lives. It's the only way we're going to affect this world. So if you're here tonight, church, and you just, if this is the kind of power that you want, this is the kind of power that you're looking for, I just want you to stand to your feet, and we're going to just consecrate ourselves to God this evening, and we're going to say, God, wherever it is you want me to tarry, wherever it is you want me to stay in the city, however you want me to linger, however you want me to, to seek your face, whether it's here, whether it's in my car, whether it's at my home, wherever it is, God, I know you're speaking to me, but I also know that for me to receive that power, there's something I've got to do. There's something that I've got to Wait for. There's something that I have to linger for. I don't want us to, even tonight, I know we've got time schedules. I know we've got things to do. And I'm not going to put God in a box or I'm not going to put you in a box. All I'm saying that tonight is we need to realize that there's some lingering that has to take place. There is some waiting upon the Lord that has to take place in our lives for us to be the kind of people God wants us to be. Amen? So I'm going to pray. Go ahead, Brian, just put on some music. I know you all got some schedules, but if you need to make your way to an altar, you make your way to an altar. If you need to tarry and you need to wait right there, you wait right there. If you know the Holy Spirit is calling you to wait like he called me to wait, you wait. If you're on your way home and the Holy Spirit needs to fall there, let him fall there. Don't put your head to bed this so quickly this evening if the Holy Spirit wants you to wait. Last night, for some reason, the Holy Spirit had me up at 2 o'clock in the morning. I couldn't put my, I could not go to sleep. The Holy Spirit just said, get up and pray. So I did. All I'm saying is that's how sensitive we need to be, church. Father God, I thank you for your word this evening. I thank you, Father God, that you want us to be filled with power. I thank you, Father God, that you have given us everything we need pertaining to life and righteousness. I thank you that you've made us a promise, Father God. And that promise involves the power of your Holy Spirit covering our lives. Equipping us, Father God, to to be effective in this world. Equipping us to overcome the darkness. Equipping us, Father God, to walk, Father God, in the midst of the enemy. In the midst of wickedness. In the midst of all this filth and perversion and corruption that surrounds us each and every day. God, we desperately need an outpouring of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We desperately need, Father God, the fountain gate to be repaired in our lives. We desperately need to learn how to stay in the city, to wait upon you, Father God, so that we might renew our strength, so that we might mount up with wings like eagles, so that we can run and not be weary, walk and not faint. God, there's so many things that are going on in our lives that are wearying us, that are keeping us from running and keeping us from walking. There's so many things, God, that that are causing some of us to want to throw in the towel or walk out on this or give up on that, God. But you're calling us to tarry. You're calling us to wait. You're calling us to stay in the city until we are clothed with power from on high. God, I'm reminded of the 120 disciples that tarried and waited in the upper room, God. 
They had to wait there until they were all of one mind and all of one accord, till all of their agendas were put aside and they all had one focus and they all had one heart and they all had one desire, and that was to experience the promise that you had professed upon their lives, the power of the Holy Spirit. So God, whether it's here at the altar this evening, whether it's on the way home, whether it's in the bedroom or in a dining room or wherever you want us to wait, oh God, I pray that we would do that so that we could all be of one accord, so that we could all be of one mind. I pray, Father God, that you would just teach us to wait, God. I pray that you would teach us to not be so quick to come into your presence and so quick to leave. Father, we desperately need you. Marriages are falling apart. Family members are sick. People are in the hospital. Sons and daughters are going to hell, Father. And we're so quick to rush out, Lord. Help us, Father God, to wait. Help us, Father God, to tarry. Help us to linger a little bit longer in your presence, O God, so that you can do a work in our lives. We thank you for your word this evening. Pray that you would... Sink it down deep into the soil of our soul, Lord, so that it would bear fruit and fruit that would last. So that we might, Father, be able to manifest the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives. So that others can taste and see that the Lord is good. So that they too might come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Help us to not forget what it's all about, God. Empower us this evening, I pray, to do your will. To walk by the Spirit so that we will not satisfy the desires of our flesh. Fill us with your Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Can we just bless the Lord, church? You're free to go, but allow the Holy Spirit to work in you. Altars are always open. I don't need, you don't need a special invitation. Just lead, be led as the Holy Spirit.